What does God want from me? What does God expect from my life? You ever wonder that? You ever ask that question? How about as a follower of Jesus, as you're a follower of Jesus, like what's our response supposed to be after, you know, for all that, that God has done for us, all that Jesus has done for us? You know, author after author in the Bible uh, tries to help us understand who God is, and they stress God's goodness to us, his generosity to mankind, and um, they tell us, you know, things like God is the creator, he's the giver of life. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, our Father in heaven. Like he's the breath in our lungs. He's a, he's a sanctuary in time of storms, right? He protects us. He causes the water, to, the rain to fall on the land so that we can have food to eat and water to drink. Like, but it's not just material gifts for here and now. These authors also tell us that, that he gives us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, and we take that to mean like he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to, to live with him and to desire to, to know him more and to walk with him. And he promises us eternal life. And you know, we don't even really fully understand what every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms really means. We just know it's really good. What we know is that God gives us everything we have. God gives us life itself. And Jesus said that that life is life to the full. It's full of love. It's full of goodness. It's full of freedom and hope. What these authors also tell us is that managing all the stuff that God gives us, managing that well is part of the plan to help us embrace this life that God wants to give us. So what we do with the life and all that God has given us is one of the primary and most practical ways for us to express our faith. It's the way that, that we find out and others around us come to know that we really trust God, that we believe he's good, that we believe his promises are true. In other words, managing the stuff God gives us is one of the primary ways God's love is revealed within us and to others around us. Doing this well is one of the most important and practical ways that we can demonstrate God's love for the world is at work in us and through us. And secondly, managing God's stuff well is one of the most transformational, life-changing activities that God invites us into. When we do this well, like God uses us to bless our world, to not only change our lives and our world, but to change the lives of others around us to bring them more freedom and hope, make life more like he intends it to be. So this series, this Time, Treasure, and Talent series has really been about how we participate more fully in the life that God wants to bring to us, the abundant life Jesus says that he has for us. And see, we see the beginning of this plan way back in the beginning of Genesis when God chose Abram to be the first like, member of his family, the first adopted person into his family, and he told Abram, he said, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. In other words, I'm going to give you more than you could ask for or imagine. And as you use it in your life, all that I give you, and generously share it with others, like the whole world is going to see how awesome I am. And then together, 
we're going to put this broken, evil world back together again. We're going to make it right again. This was the plan at the very beginning. A really simple plan. A great plan, right? And guess what? It didn't go so well, did it? We see later that God's people ended up in slavery, which is what happens to us when we forget Right, that all the stuff we have isn't ours, but it's, that it's God's. And when we start to serve our stuff instead of serving God, our stuff starts to own us. The good news is, it doesn't phase God. God doesn't give up. God doesn't even change the plan. We read on and we see that he frees his people from slavery and he leads them out into the wilderness and he does miracle after miracle providing for them and protecting them and he leads them to the threshold of this land that he promised to give to them. And Moses gathers his people around and he says, listen, I talked to God, he still wants to give us this amazing land and he's given me some instructions so that once we get there it can go really well because God wants it to go well for us when we get there. So he said, let me tell you what this is. And he goes, in fact... I'm going to keep it simple for you. I'm going to try to help you know what's first and foremost. If we keep this one thing first and foremost in our minds, it's going to go really, really well. So here it is. Here's what God wants from us. Let's remember this as we enter into this new land. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Keep this first and foremost in your hearts, in your minds, in your eyes, and things will go well. That's it. That's first and foremost. And so for thousands of years, Jewish people have actually used these words to form a prayer at the beginning and the end of every day. And and I I imagine that, that praying these words helps them remember and reminds them what it is that God wants from us. And I imagine the prayer goes something like this. Here, O Israel, Lord, help me to hear. Help me to listen. Help me to remember that there is only one source of life. God, you are that source, the same source of life that guides the stars and the sun and makes the wind to blow through the trees that makes them dance and lose their leaves in the fall coloring. It's the same life that courses through me and through you. God, help me to remember that you are that one source of life, the only one. And help me remember that I am connected to this life. I am one with you by your deep, overwhelming, knock-us-off-our-feet kind of love. And help me to remember that it's this kind of wholehearted, everything we've got, body and soul kind of love that keeps me in step, that keeps us in step, God, with your life. God, would you help us to learn and understand and pay attention to how we can love like you so that we can stay in step with you and experience more of your life. Amen. Imagine beginning and ending your day with that prayer for thousands of years. Imagine beginning and ending your prayer for the next six days as you head into holidays with your family. How might that change things? But back to the the story, it's like what's interesting about this command to me that Moses 
gives is that the Hebrew word Moses uses for strength doesn't actually mean strength. There's another Hebrew word for strength, but Moses isn't talking about power. He's not talking about physical dominance. He wasn't saying to his people, hey, you know what, before we go into this land, you all need to go join CrossFit so we can go in and dominate the people in this land, or at least intimidate them. He's like, God's strong enough, God will fight our battles. The word Moses uses for strength is actually maod, and it's a fairly common word in in, uh, the Hebrew Bible. It appears 300 times, and it's basically the equivalent of our English word for, for, for very or for much. And it shows up all over the place, like the, the beginning of the creation story. You know, after the first day, God says it's good. Second day, God says it's good. He gets to the end, he says, it is mayod good. Creation is mayod good. It's, it's very good. It shows up in the story of the flood where it didn't just rain a little. It mayod rained, enough rain to cover the whole earth. And Moses told the people to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. It was like he was expanding the possible ways to love God from the inside out. Love God with all your affections. Love God with all your thoughts, with with all your spirit, the things inside you, and then keep going. Love God with your maod, with your muchness, with anything and everything else you got. Let your love for God overflow to include all of your possessions, all of your resources, all that God has given you. Love God with your muchness. Love God with your everything. And then Jesus shows up hundreds of years later, and he stands in the place of Moses, and he's inviting us to join him in a promised future, in a promised life. He says it's life to the full. And one man, an expert in law, says, well, what do we do to live in this life? Like, what's the most important command for us to follow in order to, to, to walk into this life and to hold on to this life? And Jesus says, all right, I'll tell you. The most important one, Jesus says, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Right? He's, he quotes Moses. He says the words of Moses, and then he adds, and the second command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Essentially, Jesus is saying, listen, God's plan for your participation in this life hasn't changed. It's still the same. You know, different scholars interpreted the word that Jesus used for strength in different ways. Some people said it meant wealth. Some people said he used the word dunamis, which means power. They missed the point, right? Jesus isn't trying to narrow or restrict the ways that we love God to wealth or to power. Like like Moses, Jesus is expanding the ways for us to be able to love God. He says, use whatever you have to increase the flow of God's love and life. And in fact, when you share what you have with your neighbors, when you love them as yourselves, that's just like loving God. Jesus' command, I believe, to love God with all our strength is actually an invitation to participate with him in all of God's strength. 
I think he was actually opening the doors, helping us formulate a response to, to more fully participate in life with God. It might help you to know that, again, like I said, this guy who asked the question was an expert in the law. And I think what he was really looking for was a checklist of the rules he was already keeping so he could be justified because he didn't really want to change anything about his life. I think he wanted to, to know, you know, that to prove his own moral and religious superiority and confirmation. He wanted confirmation that, like, the way I'm doing it is right and this life that Jesus is offering is only to a few select people who, who do it right, who are rich enough and good enough and religious enough like me. And Jesus says, let me correct that image for you. Right? Love for God isn't limited to spiritual and religious acts. When Jesus says, love God with all your strength, he's inviting everyone, everywhere, in every moment, to love God in an infinite number of practical ways. He says everybody has abilities, has talents, has thoughts, passion, dollars, relationships, every interaction, it all can be used as a way to love and honor God. Everyone is invited to participate and use their muchness in their way. And when they do it to love their neighbors, they are loving God. Do it in practical ways. This is how you fully participate in the life that God is bringing you. How you enjoy and experience more of God's muchness and how others' experience of God's muchness grows as well. Jesus' command to love God with all our strength is an invitation to participate with him in all of God's strength. And to love God with our muchness is to accept this invitation, right? To be part of the miraculous work Jesus is doing to transform and restore our broken world. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm giving you everything you need. Don't just hold it to yourself, but get off the sideline. Join me in the game. Be part of the work I'm doing. Be part of God's story. And here's the deal. Church, when you do this together, like when you combine your muchness with the muchness of others around you, amazing things happen. It shines a bright light around the world. It opens the flow of God's muchness. And I think to some extent, like, like we get this. I think we believe it's true. But I want to show you a picture to kind of help you see what I mean here. This is a video that I got from my son Eli a couple weeks ago after Iowa had upset Penn State. We need to see this to be reminded that one time Iowa was actually good, but that's not the point. Look at his, I mean, his smile, his shout. Like, and here's the deal. Eli's a freshman at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He went up there to play football, he's redshirting, and when he found out, since he doesn't travel with the team when they're away, when he found out that his team was away and he had the weekend off the, the day that Iowa was playing Penn State, he's like, I've gotta get down to that game. Because he loves football, and he especially loves Iowa Hawkeye football. The Problem is, is Eli didn't have a lot of muchness <laughs> to pull this off. But then his roommate came to him and said, hey, I can get you a ride down to Minneapolis this week, and I'm heading to the University of Minnesota, do you wanna ride with me? And then Eli's mom found him a bus ticket that would leave Minneapolis at 6 p.m. on Friday and arrive seven hours later in Iowa City at 1 a.m. Eli's sister lives right around the corner from the bus depot, so he had a place to stay. 
Connor Woods, who's here, I think, this morning, said, I've got a ticket for you, which really was probably his dad's ticket. But anyway, he said, I've got a ticket for you to show up in Iowa City. And then Connor's parents said, well, we can get you back to Cedar Falls if you get to the game. And then Eli's friend, Nate Volker, volunteer kids ministry, says, well, I can probably get you back up to Minneapolis Saturday night, early Sunday morning, one, two in the morning, right, if you get back to Cedar Falls. And then a friend of his brother, a friend of Eli's brother, says, well, I live in Minneapolis, so you can stay with me if you need a place to stay. So that he can meet up with his roommate at 8 in the morning or 7 in the morning so he can get back to Duluth for weightlifting and practice before noon on Sunday. <laughs> Eli loves football, did I say this? And he loves Iowa Hawkeyes football. But it took the muchness right, of his friends and his community in order to make this happen. Now look at this video again. There's a lot of life in this video, right? There's a lot of joy that happens as a result of this. Like, when Iowa won that game, there was nothing going to keep him on the sidelines. He had to hit that field with 20,000 of his closest friends, like, right? Like, I'm a part of making history here. I'm going to be part of this. And that is what happens when we love God with all of our muchness. When we use our muchness to honor God and to love our neighbors, we actually become part of God's story. Part of the work God is doing to transform and restore our world to bring more joy and more hope and more goodness. And we open the door for those we love to experience more of God's love and abundant life. We invite them off the sidelines, right? And, and, and we don't just celebrate, but when we play, we all experience more life, more of God's abundant life. And when we do this together, Amazing things happen. God's plan from the beginning and his plan today, right, is for us to use our time and our talents and our treasures, all of our muchness in big and small ways to both transform our lives as well as help next generations encounter the muchness of Jesus. Jesus' command to love God with all our strength, all our muchness, is an invitation to experience more of God's muchness. Jesus doesn't tell us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength as a way to say, hey, prove yourself to God. Prove that what I've done for you, that you're worthy of, of receiving it. We don't earn anything when we love God back. This is an invitation to, to know how to formulate an appropriate response to all that God has done and continues to do for us, to respond to his overwhelming, knock us off our feet, deep love. A response that keeps us in step with his abundant life. And Jesus didn't just teach this. Jesus demonstrated this. He modeled this time and time again, no more more clearly than on the last night he spent with his friends, right? When Jesus gets down from the table, he wraps a towel around his waist and he bends down and he washes the dirty feet of his disciples. The same Jesus, right, who has all authority under heaven and earth, who in very nature is God, doesn't consider equality with God something to just be used for his own advantage. Instead, he humbles himself to do the menial, dirty work of a servant. And then he gets up and he looks at his friends, as his friends, and he says, This is how you love God with all your strength. Now go and, and do the same for others so that God's muchness can increase in you and in others through you. 
Our friends at UCI and Haiti, I think, are such a good picture of this. And they've had a really rough couple of years. Not just the COVID virus, they had another severe earthquake. They've had all kinds of political upheaval and corruption. They've got gangs who are not just uh, hijacking and, and kidnapping missionaries, but hijacking the goods and services that are coming into the country and other, hurting other people as well. And uh, in the course of all this upheaval, there was a bridge that got burned between Haiti and this, the largest kind of city in their area. And it was an important bridge. Like thousands of people use this bridge every day, including a number of the professors and students who work and attend the university at UCI. And some people in the community, they tried to get together and fix the bridge and probably ended up making it a little bit worse because trucks started getting stuck on the bridge. And people started falling through gaps and getting hurt in the bridge. And uh, the mayor came around and said, there's nothing we can do to fix this. And John, John, and Christy, so exhausted, right, so discouraged from the tough year, they just said, well, I guess that's it, right? There's nothing we can do. No. They brought the, brought the concern to their church. They prayed about it in their church, and they took stock of their muchness. And the next thing you know, there's construction workers showing up and saying, we want to go and do something about this. And then there's theology students showing up and say, you know, basically, what's a theology student going to do? Well, we can't do anything, but we're willing to help, right? <laughs> so we'll go help. And so they, they loaded up a truck of supplies and people, and they sent them off to this town, hours away. And they get there, and the word starts to spread that these people from a Christian organization have shown up from hours and hours away to help put this bridge together. And so more people start coming in. And guess what? They repaired the bridge. And they discovered in their midst, like, you know what? We actually had some engineers that we didn't even know we had with us. And John John said, it wasn't, the bridge was great. It's great that we repaired this bridge. But more importantly, like, God used us to shine a light and to be a blessing in his name. They loved God with their muchness, with every bit of it. And as they did, others encountered more of the muchness of God. And then thousands of miles away, people on our staff, they hear this story and they're encouraged by this story and they're starting to ask themselves, like, where do I maybe need to burn a bridge? Or build a bridge, burn a bridge, not burn a bridge. <laughs> Don't burn bridges, that's not. Where do I need to build a bridge? See, God puts needs within reach of every talent and with every skill and every resource of every kind. He's constantly orchestrating the bringing together of needs and strengths. I walked out of Kinnick Stadium a couple weeks ago, and I'm like one of those theology students. I don't have a lot of skill or talent, but here's this guy. He's in a wheelchair. He's got a sign, and I don't have any money either with me, and, and I'm thinking he's probably going to ask for money, but I'm walking towards him, and everybody's just walking by, and nobody's paying attention to him. He's trying to get some attention, and we made eye contact, and he says, he's got cerebral palsy. It's a little bit difficult to, to understand. He says, can you help me? I said, what do you need? He said, I need to push up the hill in my wheelchair because my brother's waiting for me about a mile down the road. Can you just push me as far as you're going? I can do that, <laughs> right? I, I don't have a lot of skill, but I, I've got legs that work. I'm looking for a little bit of exercise. Like he, a need, maybe it's not a strength, but I mean, I, I can do it. And I, I walked with Doug. I met Doug, and we talked about how miserable the game was, and we laughed, and there was life in the moment, and he got back to his brother, and it was just a great experience. See, it's just a small little thing, but the goal of, of this, of loving God, well, isn't, isn't to get people to come to church. <laughs> the goal is, is to encounter Jesus and his abundant life, 
It's the expansion of God's muchness in us and through us. It's where people are heard and people are seen and people are loved and they're prayed for and they're encouraged. Hope is renewed. Relationships are healed and restored. I think God also calls us to be aware of the needs inside the church as well as the strengths inside the church. The church doesn't function without people who share their time and their treasure and their talents with the church. You got a, a budget a couple weeks ago from the church, and it kind of shares some of our financial needs, and I hope that you guys have been such an amazing blessing to this church, a lot of you for so many years, and we hope that you'll continue to find ways to do that, to be with us in that mission. But here's what I want you to know about that budget. See, we've got a group of people in this church who have a lot of experience and expertise and knowledge in running businesses. And they get together and give us hours and hours of their time every year to help us put together a good budget, a reasonable, healthy budget for the church. And they also help us do things like choose insurance plans and and refinance our mortgage when the time is right. They are loving God with all their strength. I think about the people who uh, lead hospitality around this church, right? I mean, every week they show up they create a warm and welcoming environment. But more than that, like they're removing anxiety for some people who are struggling to come to church or, or to come back to church. They answer questions. They listen to people. And they prepare coffee. And they help people take next steps because they want to create opportunities for the muchness of God to expand and to grow. I think about another area of muchness that I don't understand, actually. It happens every Wednesday night, actually, not in this building, but it's led by people in our building at Chaos. These people who are loving and overwhelmed by the love of all these junior high students, right? And if you want to know an area where we could use some help, some more muchness, it's, it's at Chaos on Wednesday nights. And some of you are thinking, I don't have that muchness, but maybe... God's wanting you to discover a muchness you never knew you had. Or maybe he's just inviting you to experience more life in a different kind of way that you never have experienced. I invite you to check that out. See, Jesus' command to love God with all our strength is actually an invitation to experience more of God's strength. And wrap up here, I just want to give you three practical steps that if you're looking for ways to more fully participate with God in the life that he has for you. First thing I want to do, I encourage you to do is to, is to just consider the muchness of God in your life. Like take stock of it. Maybe make a list of the top five things you have going for you. If you get to five, maybe you want to go on to ten. Like what are the, what are the things I have a lot of that I could offer? And number two, I just think you should, maybe you could pray and ask God, how are you currently or how could you currently use some of this muchness to love others and serve others and honor God. And then pay close attention to the needs that he brings to your mind and lays on your heart. And then third, follow through, right? Match the need with your strength and love God with all your muchness. Maybe it's just writing an encouraging note to somebody. Maybe it's writing a check. Maybe it's a big check. Maybe it's fixing a flat tire or baking somebody cookies, teaching somebody to sew a button on their shirt, taking someone to a game. 
that this is how we stay in step with God's abundant life. It's how we stay connected to his deep, overwhelming, knock-us-off-our-feet kind of love. What might that look like for you as you head into this week? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this invitation to participate more fully with you in your life. Thank you that you help us formulate a response to say thank you and to stay in step with you. God, help us to consider the muchness you put in our lives, how we can share that muchness with others. And then, Lord, I want to pray for our friends in Haiti because it's been a really, really tough year for them. I want to thank you for what you're doing in and through our friends at UCI. But I also just want to pray for that country as a whole, Lord. They need to establish a new government. They need to establish some law and order. Lord, they need good people, Lord, to overcome the forces of darkness that are pushing against that country right now. God, will you raise up the leaders? Help them to find the leaders and to, and to put those leaders in places where they can use their influence and make a difference. And God, will you protect the people as they walk through this dark time? Will you continue to shine your light, that they can see your light and find your light and follow you into the fullness, Lord, of all you promise and all you want to give to them? It's in your name we pray.